Welcome to the WP Tonic Podcast, brought to you by WPTonic.com, a WordPress maintenance and support service for business owners. We talk to the leaders in WordPress, business, and online marketing communities, bringing you insights on how to grow your business and achieve success. Welcome back, folks, to the WP Tonic Show. This is episode 360. It's our roundtable show that we do every Friday at 8.30 Pacific Standard Time. Um, I've got a decent posse of the panel in today. Um, I'm going to let it start from the bottom up. Um, Sally, would you like to introduce yourself quickly to the new listeners and viewers? Right. My name is Sally Getch. I am the organizer of the East Bay WordPress Meetup uh, and the uh, human attached to a, a couple of cats that really like photobombing the podcast. Cool. And John, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? John Locke, a.k.a. Lockdown of Lockdown SEO. So there you go. And Morton, would you like to quickly introduce yourself? Hello, I'm Morton from LinkedIn Learning. Uh, I'm back. Back. <laughs> yes, he's back. Back again. Back from Norway. Back from Norway. He's been traveling to Norway. I actually lived in Norway for over a year, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, so, um, and we got Spencer. Spencer. Hi. Would you like Spencer to perform it? from WPLaunchify.com. Radio, that's great. And I'm the host of the show. Uh, my name is Jonathan Denwood, and I run WP Tonic. So, folks, um, happy new year. Uh, um, and we get into the stories. So, number one story, WordPress governance project flagged as unsanctioned. First meet, uh, so you're unsanctioned. Would you like... Like to start off with this, Walter, that you're you're no, not particularly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you want to know? Um, well, we won't start with you. Let's start with Sally. Um, Sally, um, what did you think of this article and um, and them being unsanctioned? Uh, well, you know, the first the first time I read it, I, I was trying to figure you know out whether they were creating kind of a tempest in a teapot for the sake of let's have some more WP drama. Um, since I wasn't sure uh, whether the group had really been meant to be, uh, uh, you know, a, a part of WordPress.org or not. Um, although, you know, that seems like a, a good place to announce that it's happening, but the, the idea was per, perhaps to have a little separate uh, 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 um, accountability. Uh, vision, involvement, anyway, uh, you know, the article itself seems fairly uh, reasonable and somewhere I saw, I think it was maybe in one of the comments, some examples of other open source projects that have sort of boards of governments to uh, uh, do something that I I think is what uh, Rachel and and Morton are, are considering or part of part of it. Uh, and of course, you know, you read the comments and, and you have uh, the more reasoned and the less reasoned of them, <laughs> which all seems, you know, fairly typical for the for the WordPress community. Yeah, John, what did you think of it? 
Well, as usual with these types of articles, the, the real truth lies in the comments. You have to remember that WP Tavern works for uh, Aubrey Capital, which is automatic. Uh, as Sally pointed out, Drupal and Joomla have their own governance bodies since they're open source projects, not just in name, but in actuality. Uh, another thing that, that people point out here is that the, the, the brand of WordPress and the platform WordPress.com are, you know, for-profit companies, but there are regulations on how you can use open source projects, which is WordPress, the code base. Uh, as always, whenever there's dissension about any direction that Automatic take, people crop up in the comments saying uh, things like vocal minority and it's, you know, just a few people, with, you know, and much is, is paralleled in the greater world. Uh, that's actually not the case. It's actually the majority of people want a say in this because no dictator is benevolent. All right. Spencer, what do you reckon? I love this. I missed Morton. I love that you and Rachel took the initiative. I've already put my my own opinions in and other things that like there's those that give a shit about losing their position in the WordPress world and those that are brave enough or strong enough to say something. And I think this was long overdue, not because Matt and the team are so evil, but because somebody has to hold up a mirror and say, the emperor's not wearing any clothes here. And I think the fact is that what is there to be afraid of from somebody coming out and saying, look, we all need a voice. And even if it's not me and her or somebody else, it's just has to be done. And it's about time we got to talking about it. And I find it very interesting, too, because the tavern comments, of course, I agree with John, and I always say that, like, look in the comments. Haters will be haters, and lovers will be lovers, and morons will be morons. But the comments on this were an equal mix of all three. Some of the comments are just so absurd as to be not believed. But to even give any criticism to Morton on this is ridiculous, because he's not trying to take it over. There's one or two people like, oh, you're grabbing for power. I'm like, you're an idiot. Hey, that's like, right. I've, I've always known Morton was terribly powerful. Well, we know this is part of his greater scheme, but I'm saying it's just like, hello, I'm holding up a it's mirror. A pile the- grab. It's a pile so, grab. As far as I'm concerned, this is part of my whole 2019 prediction, which I say, yes, I now really enjoy Gutenberg, but I'm waiting for that day when somebody, you know, hijacks the fork of Jetpack that says, and by the way, you got to register and be paying money to use the Gutenberg such and such in the future. But if that doesn't happen because of the efforts of people like Morton, Rachel, high fives. I support you all the way. And maybe, you know, if the half of us have to leave and go elsewhere, fine. But I think this is the first step in ensuring that that kind of thing never happens. Yeah, before I throw over to Morton, I was listening to a podcast called Edge on the Web. It's a marketing SEO podcast. It's really quite good. And they had an expert on, and they were talking about um, Google and SEO and saying Google this year is going to get really hot on websites that are not, not really accessible. <laughs> and I thought myself, oh, oh, it's a, oh shit. Um, and they were, they were singing the praises of WordPress, and I, I think they're a little bit out of date. I, I was going to Well, no, them. the accessibility problems with Gutenberg are for creating stuff, not for looking at it. Oh, well, let's hope so. Uh, um, so, um, yeah, I kind of cringed when I heard that. Uh, um, Bolton, what do you reckon? So, did you read the comments? Of course I did. <laughs> and I had a good laugh when I saw it. 
Morton and Rachel are trying to take over control of WordPress. I'm like, you know, sometimes you didn't even read the title of the article. You just left a comment without any research at all. And the guy that comments, the responsive is like, I don't think you understand any of this. <laughs> Maybe you should read the article. <laughs> um, Sarah did a great job uh, summarizing the entire story. I think it's interesting, like, you know, from a journalistic perspective, when you read it, you can tell that the, the unsanctioned part came in later. So she wrote that whole thing. And then she probably just added that component to it because it happened the day before she published. Um, so uh, background story, we announced the WordPress governance project at WordCamp US um, in a talk titled uh, Moving the Web Forward with WordPress. Uh, the thinking behind it is, uh, WordPress is such a large um, has such a large footprint on the web that when we do things, it actually sways the web. Um, whether or not we intend to, it doesn't really matter. That's what happens because of how the web evolves. Um, so we need to be one very conscious that every time we make decisions on behalf of Word for WordPress, we're actually making decisions for the web. Um, and two it's ridiculous that we're not part of the conversations about how the web is governed and how the internet is governed because we're such a large presence and our absence in those conversations are is detrimental to uh, political efforts within the web and internet community. And more importantly, uh, our lack of participation means that we are an easy target for people who have agendas to shoehorn things onto the web platform. Um, now, to be able to take part in these fora and actually be the will of the WordPress users and, and you know, put forward policy about what WordPress wants to do, we first need policy about what WordPress wants to do. And to do that, we need governance so that we can actually formalize policy, appoint people to go and do things. Now, the way this works right now is um, WordPress is represented in some fora around this stuff by people appointed by Matt Mullenweg who are told by Matt Mullenweg what to say, and they go out and do that. Uh, this falls well under the umbrella of a, of a benevolent, benevolent dictatorship. Um, and it means that the will of WordPress is actually the ideology of one single person. Um, and the governance project wants to not replace Matt as the leader of the WordPress project, but create a system where, first of all, he has someone to turn to to get valid information about these things that you help form policy rather than just people he selects that the community can bubble up information to him that he is aware of. Um, and secondly, that we formalize the structures that already exist within the WordPress community so it's clear who makes decisions, when those decisions are made, where they're made, how this all actually works, so that we don't end up in these endless conversations where no one actually is in charge and you get stuck in people basically arguing about things and no one ever gets anywhere because they, there is no structure to the system. So decisions are never made. Like there's, There are several tickets that are sitting in core right now that have been open for years that are stuck because no one has the power to make a decision. So they just endlessly cycle along the same arguments over and over and over again, but nothing ever happens. Um, now, there's an ideological rift here, which is 
Uh, Matt has a very specific idea about how WordPress should be run, and he truly does not believe that that uh, there's anything that anyone else can input to that idea that is, or that the community can input that would change that way of doing things. I believe that once we propose a model, we can sway him into saying that, oh, maybe there is something the community can contribute to this. There's also a bunch of questions around, should WordPress be part of all these discussions about the open web or not? If WordPress should not, why is that? Because currently the policy is no, we should not be part of this. And that's not a policy that was designed by the WordPress community. That was the policy designed by one person. So we need to have these conversations, which is why this project was booted up. Now, as for why it was removed off WordPress platform, it's simply because we announced it. We went to the community group and said, hey, we want to host this on the community platform. They said yes, but that wasn't sanctioned. And the word sanctioned is not a word I chose. Um, so therefore it was offloaded. So now it lives on its own website. It has its own Slack forum. Everyone should join that. We should have a large conversation about this. Uh, it's open to everyone. Just go to, I don't remember what the, it's WP governance, I think. Yeah, I think that was it. I just signed up for it last night. Yeah. Um, yeah, go, go wpgovernance.com. Uh, and all the information is there. The first meeting is on Tuesday. Unfortunately, I won't be there. I'll be on a plane. <laughs> we well, it's, at some, it's at some truly ungodly hour. If you it's like 8 a.m. because this is an international project. One of the big problems we have with WordPress governance right now is that it's very North America-centric or very Western Europe and North America-centric, whereas the large majority of WordPress users are non-English-speaking people who live in other countries elsewhere. So... We want to have set a time. Oh, I, I think it's a totally fair world. choice. It, it, so, it just, yes, makes it more challenging for yeah. some of us. So make time, <laughs> you know, be part, be part of this because we can, like, we need to have this conversation. Whatever the outcome, the conversation needs to be had about how this should be done. It's also really important that we start thinking about how how we would like to see decisions made within our community. Um, and this goes down to very simple things. Like, for instance, we have no way of enforcing codes of conduct currently because we don't have any policies within the WordPress community and creating a, a WordPress community code of conduct is not possible because the only policy we have is democratized publishing, which isn't enough for a foundation to present a code of conduct. So one of the things that we need to do is design policy around democratized publishing as in what does that mean? And to do that, we need to have a decision-making structure so that people can say, these are our proposals, and then we know who makes those decisions and how those decisions are made. And to do that, we need to have a governance structure. So it's very much like, if you want to get here, you have to do all these other parts. Otherwise, you can't do any of it. In my opinion. What do you think, Matt? Do you think, Matt? It's a difficult one. Um, do you think he? Because like what you're, what what Sally observed is like in Drupal, other open source, they have this kind of structure, don't they, Walton? Do you think they're trying like, to make this kind of structure because right. they had severe problems? Like something very bad happened in the WordPress in the Drupal community that forced this process. Something very bad happened in the Node community that forced this process. Something very bad happened in the Linux community that forced the process. And I think the, we're getting a message the, about human nature here. Yeah, like 
the lack of governance in large open source projects becomes an issue at some point because a single person cannot oversee an entire project and cannot foresee all the situations that may occur. And at a certain point, you need policy and you need enforcement of that policy within a community. Um, what we're trying to do is say, we can actually do the work before something terrible happens um, or before something unforeseen happens uh, so that we don't end up in a situation where this gets forced upon us. Um, and one of the things that are terrible or unforeseen might be something like an accessibility challenge to WordPress core or um, a, GDPR, a GDPR challenge to WordPress core or another privacy challenge to WordPress.core, or a privacy challenge to the web as a whole, where WordPress needs to be part of the conversation of how we want things to work so that government entities don't go to corporations and ask, how do corporations want it to work? The corporations say, open source is evil, ban it, and then we're screwed. So it's like, yes, everything has worked fine so far due to privilege and luck and a bunch of different things. That doesn't mean that's the model we should build things on. We need to actually do this properly so that we protect ourselves and our users from a future where decisions are made on our behalf that negatively impact the people who use this platform. And to do that, we need to be part of the conversation, which means we need to have policy, which needs, means we need to move beyond that. We don't need to take part in these conversations because we just do what we want and everything is fine. And that's where we currently are. Actually, I hope Matt actually attends the meeting, actually, and actually um, puts his stamp of approval on it. I really think he would be wise to really, um, if he can attend, attend it himself and really say he totally supports, makes a public statement saying he totally supports it. Um, I think that's going to happen. That's a shame. It's a shame, really. If it did. (laughs) Well, I I, I think it would be. I think the term unsanctioned answers that question quite clearly. Well, in a little way, but we could all we could always change our opinion, can't we? I I, I think once like this com- this project is being uh, by some people uh, in the community and like, a lot of people in the community is being uh, misunderstood because they have a specific idea of what it means to have governance that doesn't correspond with my understanding of governance or what governance normally looks like they see the term governance as a, um, either a fiercely democratic system where bad decisions are made by people who don't know what they're doing, or they see government, governance as the polar opposite, which is a small group of people imposing their view onto everyone and forcing like a draconian uh, rule, um, none of which are the case at all. Th- those are very bad examples of how governance works. Um, and a lot of the conversation around this um, in the higher echelons of the WordPress community are quite literally, I don't want anyone to tell me what to do. This is, I've always been able to do whatever I want. Come like, just screw you, get, go away from my platform. Right. And the reality is that's not what anyone is proposing. However, the fact that you are able to do whatever you want with WordPress and WordPress is shipped to millions and millions and millions of people is a serious problem that needs to be dealt with. Not to take power away from people, but to be more conscious about the fact that when you make changes to WordPress, you're making changes to the lives of millions and millions and millions of people. So, do you, just to finish off, do you think, I'm not sure about this, do you think Matt has a kind of libertarian kind of attitude to things in general? Is, does he kind of... I can't speak to Matt. No. You have to ask him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, wish I, would. I can 
say what I see. But I mean, I'm not going to interpret his right. action. He doesn't really say much about this, right? He doesn't really talk about this at all. So making any kind of judgment about where he stands on this issue is just becomes a guessing game, which isn't responsible to do. So I'm not going to do it. Right. Uh, I think we just have to wait for Matt to say something about this in public yeah. and say something about his view of what governance in WordPress looks like. Because the reality is governance exists in WordPress right now. It might just be one person making decisions, but that is actual governance. And we need to have that publicly stated somewhere so that we know what we're, what we're dealing with. Right. Yep. I think on that right. note, I have to leave. I have to drive my. Yeah, down. sure. Thanks for joining us, Molten. It's much appreciated. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't just drop in to talk about this. It's just. No, I totally understand, Molten. All right. See you See soon. Ya. Bye. Bye, more. Um, <laughs> Folks, uh, I made a slight blunder. I were in at the beginning. I should have told you we're not. If you want to watch this live, we decided to change from Facebook to YouTube. So every um, every Friday you'll be able to join the conversation and watch the discussion live on the WP Tonic um, YouTube channel. And please subscribe to it because um, you would be then given a little notice that the show is coming up so you could join it. So I know we all are busy and we tend to forget things. So like I say, you'll be able to watch it every Friday on the WP Tonic YouTube channel. So go on to the next story. Um, Apple not so great. Start for 2019 could mean better things ahead for iPhone fans. And what did you reckon of this one, Spencer? I wax nostalgic for Steve Jobs. That's uh, it. I've always been a big Apple fanboy. All the products we I think we all use products. Uh, the world is different, but like. I think that the shit hit the fan on the $1,000 every year upgrades on the phones. And I think it began with the iPhone 6 Plus or 6 battery fiasco, which I was a victim of as well, where the phone was not working. They didn't tell you it was because it had a broken battery, broken screen. Right. Yeah. And I went off and bought an eight. And then later they go, oh, you know, you it was us. We didn't tell you. You get a battery, but you've got to wait in line six months to pay $30. Whatever. Point of the story is. I'm a fan of some other YouTube channels where there's a guy in New York who fixes uh, Apple stuff, especially the the computers. And if you know who he is, it's hilarious yeah. to listen. Yeah, he's bonkers, though, isn't he? He's totally bonkers. like a sailor, worse than me. The point, Lewis is his name. And yeah. he, they've started soldering down every component possible to make it non-ungradable. And in the process madness happens like a ribbon cable breaks and the genius bar tells a poor 17 year old that spent all his money to buy this thing that, Oh, you need a new motherboard. <laughs> it's just like not true. And I've experienced this myself at various levels. So the bottom line is I've tried to withdraw myself from the Apple ecosystem unsuccessfully. The next best thing for me has been I'm sticking with the eights, whatever I got plus, and I have a 2015 MacBook Pro that still has all of the USB connectors and slots and everything. And I was looking at Hackintoshes. But what it seems to be the case is that the Windows ecosystem now and everything else is so agnostic that for a lot of people, I think this is going to solve itself by way of the fact that the computers will just be available, that the operating system with OS X is going to be less relevant. Ultimately, though, I don't understand the title of this particular article because I don't read anything about what they talked about that means 
better things ahead for iPhone fans. If anything, it would be like Apple's lost and doesn't know what to do with their trillions of dollars. So they're going to continue doing bad stuff into the future. That's well, that's that, that's the you know uh, I wasn't totally impressed with the story, but um, I, I thought the area was of interest, put it that way, because um, under Cook's leadership, obviously in um, and this is always the case in in pure profit terms, it's been an enormous success. I've actually um, thought his um, management has been iffy, to say the best. I think it's almost six to seven years since Steve died. They haven't produced anything apart from the watch, which isn't a bad product, but it certainly um, isn't a great product. They haven't produced anything of any substantial of real tech newness. Um, I think Poor old Steve is probably thrashing around in his grave, probably. Uh, I, I mean, I want to add one thing before you drop off. Is that one of the things that to me was critical, the phone versus the, the desktop environment. The desktop environment right now, people are successfully building what they call golden build Hackintoshes, which is I can go out and buy a box, even like a compact little box, these little Nook devices or a full tower or whatever. And I can, with very little expertise, take an inexpensive PC setup and make it uh, you know, Mac Mojave, like better than the specs of their top end computer for sometimes as little as 800 bucks on the phone. It's impossible, but here's where they're getting really bullshit. They are now talking about introducing some kind of a chip set modification or chipset that will prevent anybody from installing any components that are not serialized or otherwise locked down to their own specific roster of stuff, which would be, the ultimate in douchiness, well beyond soldering stuff down to the motherboard. But now it'd be like, if you are not an authorized reseller with authorized parts, you can't even replace a, you know, a basic component. And to me, that's such nonsense because when you do the side by side, it's really hard to tell the difference of any benefits. I literally had to think like, what exactly is it? Maybe one or two pieces of software I use uh, that I like, like ScreenFlow on the Mac, but there's an equally good thing from Camtasia or something on the PC. Phone, same thing. I like that I can do the text messaging through iMessage and all my pals on iPhones get it. But otherwise, it's like, so I think they're making a big mistake here because if their whole idea is that they're going to lock everybody into this high-priced nonsense in the future, I don't think that's going to work when there's alternatives. So, What do you reckon, John? Well, like Spence said, I think the playbook that Steve Jobs left him, the, the five-year playbook has run out. They, uh, the, the phones, $1,000 for a phone is too much uh, for a lot of people. All they're really upgrading is the camera in each phone, which, I mean, that's fine. But I don't think people are going to be upgrading every year anymore. I, I think the mystique of Apple, of, of you know, whenever they have a product, whether it's um, you know, the MacBook Pro or the phone, people aren't as enchanted anymore. At least what I've seen, like whenever they have their uh, big annual presentation, it used to be people would, you know, live tweet that. And I just don't see that anymore. So, but as you said, they made a, they made more money than <laughs> ExxonMobil last year. So, I mean, they're doing something right. Yeah, I think it's probably, t- you know, um, I don't. I think like what Spencer said, you know, because this this um, proposed act going, hopefully that will go through Congress and the Senate, um, the right for repair 
I think it's called the Right for Repair um, thing. And it should definitely um, go through. And because really Apple and other manufacturers that attempted to go down this road really need to be told a message quite clearly. And also, it really shows, which happens, is that I think Cook is in a little bit of a bubble. Um, You know, to go down that path would really damage the brand. It's already been damaged a little bit. Um, But on the other hand, I think it could be retrieved quite rapidly with some better management and a a new um, interesting product. What do you reckon, Sally? Uh, well, I don't own any Apple products, but, you know, my sense of the story was basically, okay, everybody panicked when they heard that this was a disappointing quarter, but actually, you know, Apple is still making bank. Um, in terms of the innovation and stuff, you know, I think part of the everybody sitting around and and uh, breathlessly following each new development um, had a lot to do with the charisma of Steve Jobs. Yeah. Uh, and that, you know, I mean, hello, remember re- remember the iPhone that you couldn't make a call on? You know? Oh, I've got one now because since I've upgraded the, uh, upgraded my phone, right, it, and, it, and, it no longer know, charges, so I'll go to the Apple store. Saying, oh, well, you're holding it wrong. I mean, you know, the, 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 the product was not perfection, uh, you know, but there was a lot of, of successful hype about it. Um, I think the locking everything down is ridiculous, and it's an interesting juxtaposition to our conversation about, you know, WordPress governments and and keeping yeah. open source open. Uh, it's a very contrary thing. But, you know, it's been so obvious to me for so long uh, that you were, that it's it, it's pretty much not possible to construct um, a, a proper professional machine out of Apple hardware uh, anymore. When they when they lock down the, the Mac Pro and that kind of stuff, people, people who do, you know, serious uh, work that, that requires... A, a lot of resources were just like, yeah, bye. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not considering I need to replace my dev laptop. I'm not considering an Apple uh, uh, because, you know, they, they don't even exist with the kinds of specs that I uh, already have, never mind the, the ones I want to upgrade to. Um, so, you know, uh, we'll see. Uh, but I don't have any kind of emotional attachment to. Uh, the the way that things might crash and burn if if they make too many uh, grasping uh, changes. Yeah, we're going to go for our break, folks. When we we'll back, we've got some other interesting stories. We'll see you in a few moments. Do you want to spend more time making money online? Then use WP Tonic as your trusted WordPress developer partner. They will keep your WordPress website secure and up to date so you can concentrate on the things that make you money. Examples of WP Tonic's client services are landing pages, page layouts, widgets, updates, and modifications. WP Tonic is well known and trusted in the WordPress community. They stand behind their work with full, no question asked, 30 day money back guarantee. So don't delay. Sign up with WP Tonic today. That's wp-tonic.com just like the podcast coming back <laughs> these grasping corporates I don't know uh, um, uh, um, on to the next story I reckon um, 
Elevator requires layers, WP, to to expand compensational compatible theme options for users. What did you reckon about this one, John? Yeah, this is a bold move. Uh, Elementor is uh, really taking charge in the page building space. And, and by the way, even with Gutenberg, I don't think that page builders are going away anytime soon. I think there's, you know, several more years of, of uh, Beaver Builder and Elementor and all the rest uh, doing quite well. This is a big move. And the thing that's noteworthy about this story is there is a convergence of events that uh, led layers to make this decision. For one, they were kind of restricted in promoting uh, their product in the WordPress.org theme repository because they had to to make it a hybrid product, uh, a theme with plugin like um, features, because you you can't do uh, the cross selling. You can't make it like Envato on the theme repository. But with this latest Gutenberg change, they decided to throw in the towel and sell it off. And ironically, I'm seeing a lot of people, not a lot of people, but I'm seeing some people that are making similar decisions in product and service-based companies doing the same thing. Uh, Gutenberg is, you know, influencing them to uh, seek other directions. So I best elect to the layers people. Uh, I would love to see what uh, entrepreneurial thing they do next. And congratulations to Elementor. Uh, I know Ben Pines is a friend of the WP Tonic show. Uh, I think he's got a great product. Yeah. Um, what do you reckon, Sally? What the thing that caught my eye is they've got over 1 million installs of the of Elementor Plus, don't they? They said almost 2 Ele- million. Well, Elementor is, is certainly already hugely possible. So this story caught my eye for, for a couple of reasons. The first was, you know, I, you know, we're seeing more consolidation. We've talked about a, a lot of stories of, of acquisitions and, and so on. Um, and the other was because of Gutenberg, the uh, page builders have to to raise their game. Uh, you know that they they know that they need to, um, you know they they need to to keep adapting in order to make sure that they are still relevant and valuable uh, in a world with uh, with Gutenberg, where depending on what you need, you might not require a, a full scale page builder. So that they need to have you know, smoother functionality and, you know, better features and, and a way to um, <clears throat> differentiate themselves, a topic we'll be speaking about with reference to another article. Um, so I think that's kind of a, a sign of where it's going. It will be interesting to see how the, the combination works. I think Elementor is a, is a good uh, product. Um, so yeah, you know, congratulations to them. And and I, you know, I don't blame companies for saying, I think we'll, you know, step down or or switch focus if you know if they don't have a product that's really got enough differentiation, you know, a from Gutenberg itself and and b from other uh, page builders that may be more established. Um, then that might make business sense for them to say, all right, let's, you know, let's sell this off and think about 
where is there a, you know, where is there a new and different need that we can satisfy? So um, it's kind of, Spencer, it's kind of linked to our conversation last week because I, I noticed that Adam from WP Crafter had a video about um, Elemator's got a, a pop-up um, add-on or they've added it to the plugin so you can do um, pop-ups quite effectively. Um, it was kind of linked to our conversation. I'm not sure, do you think Beaver Build and, and even Divi, do you think they can compete with this juggernaut that seems to be just getting bigger and bigger, really, doesn't it? Juggernaut being what? Elementor. Elementor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I do. And I mean, this is this to me is definitely in light of the conversation we had where everybody's going for the same goal. It doesn't matter if it's on the marketing automation end or if it's on the the visual builder end. The thing that people want is what all these companies are trying to do. So you look at Layers. Layers has 300,000 people. They're reporting now, Ben Pine saying they have 2 million active installs. Not all of them are paid, but there's 55 employees. If you can afford to have 55 employees it makes perfect sense to buy a company where the two founders have said, There's, we're not going to win. We give up. But we have 300,000 people on the mailing list. If you pay us for those people, they come on board and start using Elementor or whatever for free, and you have a chance to convert 300,000 people into $99 paid subscribers or paid members. In theory, that's a lot of cash for whatever they paid. Now, of course, they don't share how much they acquired this for, but I'm sure it's not more than 99 times 300,000. In the long run, however, I think that this is kind of like that airplane metaphor I said, where there was the, the French supersonic transport, the American and the Russian. There's a huge install of fans that love the way that Divi thinks and feels, and there's another crowd that just loves the way that Beaver Builder thinks and feels, and a third, of course, Elementor, and now there's that wild card of Gutenberg. And I think the end result is there's going to probably be maybe one or two, maybe still three after a while. But there's space. That pie at the end of the rainbow will be all of these will live in harmony. So somebody just picks which of these they want to use. And there's a huge install base of WordPress today, and there certainly will be in the future. But we will see more, I guarantee, we will see many more of the smaller one and two person teams to say, take take my list, make me part of your team because who's going to win against the, you know, nobody's going to beat Elementor with a two man team. And who wants to keep maintaining a theme in a world where the visual builders are inherently separate? You know, it's, it's so logical. So it would be nice if we could hear what the buyout amounts were because we don't get that information. You know, it's just curiosity. There's a guy like Nathan Lopka who talks about SaaS companies. He does a podcast and he, he grills people. To tell it what what's your revenue? What do you make? How much you get it? And he gets them to tell them the numbers. I wish Nathan Lotka would get in the WordPress space and start going, How much did you sell this for? How many users do you have? What's the churn rate? But we'll never probably know. So. No, no, never. All right, on to the next story. Um, growing a SaaS company, how we reach a magical first one thousand customers. What did you reckon of this one, John? First off, I love Tom Z from Kinsta and Brian Jackson, um, you know, a friend, long, a friend of the show, a very good friend of the show, Brian Jackson, they're uh, a one, two punch on the content. And 
there, this is a great article, a great long read. And like they point out in this, uh, there is a couple bullet points that, that, that I think stand out to me. One, he said that growing a company, bootstrapping a company, uh, it takes time. And he's gotten to know a lot of entrepreneurs and business owners in the, in the WordPress space, and especially since starting Kinsta. And most of them are in there five, seven, 10 years grinding it out. And one thing that he said is, if somebody says that they're going to 5X your growth in the next six months, they're just trying to get your money. Uh, it's a marathon, not a sprint. He also goes on to say that, uh, you know, it, it's kind of funny. He says that they have come up in the WordPress space. They weren't the first managed host, but they they kind of take some shots at, at some of the other companies. And Just and if little. you if you know who the like what the company's messages are, you you can decipher like who he's going at. But you know, he makes a really compelling case for Kinsta. Every company out here is doing something similar, but. Again, it, it, what I appreciate about Kinsta is they have their own brand voice. They, you know, have their own things that they specialize in. They're really on the cutting edge of speed. They prioritize, they prioritize speed and service. And they point that out, that a lot of places, they kind of rest on their past accomplishments. And they are up and coming. They're hungry. They're going head to head with some of the big players in the space, and because they're hungry, they're they're prioritizing service, and their messaging is about service and speed, uh, and making sure that that uh, you know that that your website is is going to uh, perform well when it gets a lot of traffic, and uh, you know I, I just like the their content. I love this piece. There's a lot of good business advice here. So. Yeah, I'd like to point out to listeners, the new ones, they are a sponsor of the WP Talk oh, yeah. Show. But I did I did choose the article solely because um, they are a sponsor. I actually thought it had some interest as I was looking upon all the... We, we um, know you're a sucker for SaaS stories, Jonathan. I am. That's true. What do you reckon, Spencer? What do you reckon about this little piece? I've, I, You know, the democratization of the technology so that they could grow this to the scale that they have is I'm all about that. I mean, in today's world, it's not about like what really backend infrastructure or venture capital you have. It's you see a pain point, like I think this next story, see a pain point. Oh no, it's in this article. See a pain point, solve the pain point, talk to the customers. Hello. And don't expect that, uh, you know, you're going to bake a cake overnight. It's going to take a long time. I sometimes wake up and think I am still 26 because I can't believe how much, Time has gone by talking and thinking about the same thing, but that's the difference. If somebody's really doing something that aligns with what they're good at and what they enjoy doing, it probably doesn't seem like it's that much work. And these guys do a great job. It's a great brand. There was other brands that I remember, of course, you know, Jason started WP Engine, which is legendary now. And then there's Pagely and uh, I, I could name a couple others, but I'm not sure they're still around. But the point is that in the space of hosting, a thousand or two thousand loyal customers can make a multi-million dollar business. There's millions of people out there to choose from. So awesome. You know, it's it's just a great idea. Well, that was what's the surprising thing is that there hasn't been a uh 
I was going to say a calling, but um, a kind of merging of hosting. Because the reality is when you get into hosting, the figures are so mind-bendingly big, a bit like uh, page-building plugins. The numbers are well, just Well, the, 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 the money is big. You know, the profit, the profit margin, on the other hand, uh, as they do point out in this article, is, you know, if you're, if, you're, if you're growing and you've got massive revenues because you're charging like three bucks a month, well, the three bucks a month is not actually a lot of, of money for covering both, you know, hardware upgrades, uh, employees, you know, power costs, what, what, whatever is, is involved. So there can be large amounts of money with not much profit, which is a risk if you want to, you know, well, in, succeed. In the hostings, we've talked about the fact this is a race to the bottom. That's the consolidation effect we just covered in other shows. And now, which is hosting companies can't just offer hosting anymore. They have to offer a concierge palette of here's your one-stop shop for everything. And that's where the partnerships, the co-branding, the your theme gets installed and you get this plugin with this thing. I think that's the direction. But it is still factual that if you have a niche and you want a service, that in today's marketing environment, customers are more likely to become fans of a small underdog like a Kinsta. A couple thousand people will be willing to stay and still even pay a premium to stay with them for the feeling like we're part of the small cub, club versus I don't think Bluehost's or HostGator get that feeling engendered into people. You know, I mean, they, people go there like you're riding on air, Ryanair. I will stand up all the way through, you know, from Europe to America. This is a, I will pay you more because I want you to succeed. And I want the feeling that you guys give me everything I need and I can just ask you. And I think that's good advice for any entrepreneur or startup in the WordPress space. You may not make your living by just doing one dimensional thing. But if you look at one niche of people, you can offer a variety of things in your interest and skill set. And, you know, own an audience that keeps you, you know, paying the bills and kids run around the house. Right. So we're going to, um, we're probably not going to cover the last story, but we're going to see how this new section goes. And if it doesn't go that well, we'll probably cover the last story. Um, but um, we're going to do a kind of um, tips or, or products or anything they were observed during the week that we want to mention about. So, John, is there any kind of plug-in service, anything that's come on your radar this week that you'd like to comment on or plug? Yeah, so there's a plug-in that, that I've known about for a while. Uh, I'm not sure a lot of other people know about it. A lot of people ask questions about schema markup and, you know, should I buy like Yoast local SEO for the markup or this or that? Uh, there's a plugin out there. It's called, I think it's called like WP Structured uh, Data Schema. It's by uh, Phil Singleton and his team at Kansas City Web Design. Just look for that. Uh, their plugin covers outputting structured data for uh, pretty much anything, uh, whether it's a product, whether it's an article, whether it's anything like that. So if you're running just a generic theme or a generic WordPress install and you're not sure, Go download that from the repo. It's free. So it's it's definitely useful. Can you put that in the chat, actually, I'm going to put it in the I'll chat. Make, yes, I'll I am. Show notes. Sally, anything, any kind of plugins, themes, or anything that's come on your radar or tip that you'd like to share to the listeners of you? Uh, yes, actually. Uh, just uh, saw the news about this last night. Uh, Gravity Forms has introduced a... Uh, <clears throat> 
the new advanced post-creation add-on, and this especially caught my eye because a lot of what this add-on does, I mean, it's people probably know there's a separate uh, plugin for creating custom post types with gravity forms, but it's a little old. Um, but I spent many, many hours uh, this past year in trying to do some of the things that this plugin does, you know, make sure it works appropriately with custom taxonomies, make sure it can set a featured image that also gets loaded into the media library and can be used elsewhere. Um, you know, make sure it maps custom fields properly because, you know, for some reason it wasn't, even though Gravity Forms has a custom field field. Uh, <clears throat> so uh, this is, a, you know, go, going to save a lot of people from having to do the hair tearing that I did. Uh, it's mm. part of the uh, elite package. If you are one of the folks who's been with Gravity Forms, you know, since the dawn of time and, and got the old dev package, it is there. Uh, it's still in beta, uh, but I'm definitely looking forward to checking it out. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, I have to look at that. Thanks for that one, Sally. Uh, um, Spencer, got anything to share with the listeners and viewers? I have gone black and white on my iPhone. This is an experiment. I thought like, what? These guys are crazy. It works. Okay, so my problem was my brain had started to turn literally to jello from not being able to get away from being distracted, looking and reading and doing things on the iPhone. I wanted to read more books. I wanted to do more thoughtful stuff. Some people published, and don't get me started on Medium, but published an article in Medium that says, if you move your phone to grayscale, it somehow psychologically reduces the you know, attractiveness of all the shiny objects. I tried it. I actually think it works. And I have my little switch so I can turn it off real quick. But I would encourage anybody to give it a try. Like even YouTube videos, everything still works fine, but it's kind of like a Kindle now where I can read it really well. The, the brightness is turned down. So my eyes don't feel like they're, you know, but give it a try. It's amazing. Like I can do everything I want to do on the phone, but I have not really felt like, Oh God, I got to look at that shiny, you know, colorful thing anymore. So if anybody feels their brain is going soft and wants to, you know, read a book again, this might be a good way to get off of the uh, iPhone hook. And where do you get that from? It's free. You just go into iPhone settings into the, the accessibility, and then there's a colors option, and there's a switch. And I just leave that screen on. And you can just say, go to grayscale. That's it. And I just leave that screen on. And so now if I need the color, I just flip it. But honestly, I know why it works, but it works. It's kind of like that, you know, the thing that's supposed to protect you from not being able to fall asleep by making your screen yellow and getting rid of the blue light and stuff. Flex. Flex, yeah. It's it sounds like flux in my brain because by making it grayscale, all of a sudden it just doesn't feel as exciting to browse Facebook or to look at YouTube videos. And so I'm like, well, Kindle, iPhone, book, it's all the same. And I don't know, at least maybe for right now, I'm I'm hooked on the idea. So worth checking out. If you feel if you feel like I do, that that'd be a good resolution for your year is to use your phone but not necessarily feel like every moment what's happening on my phone. Yeah, um, I think that's a great um, one. That's a surprising one, actually, but uh, I think you've got a great thing. Um, I've got a little tip. Um, if you're looking to do podcasting or do um, more work on um, 
YouTube, I promote yourself a bit more into 019. And you want to know how you get started. Um, he's been on the show, but I, I think his YouTube channel and the resources, and also I was quite impressed with him as an individual, is uh, seen Connell of Think Media and his YouTube channel. And if you want to know about the equipment, the techniques, about live um, broadcasting or building a channel, I think that's a really great resource and a reputable resource for getting a lot of free information in one place about that particular subject. So I would go to Think Media's YouTube channel and sing Conrad. And he was on the show about before Christmas, about a month before the Christmas. And it was a great interview. So I would suggest you go and listen to it. I really, I don't normally re-listen to my um, interviews because I, I, I think I do a terrible job. But our, um, I, I re-listened to that. And he, he, um, he's just a great guy, actually. I was really, really very impressed with um, Sheen, Sean. Um, I think that was a good thing. I think we continued that. We had some good tips there. So, um, Sally, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at wpfangirl.com or at eastbaywp.com for the meetup. We are looking for speakers for 2019. If you are in the Bay Area and uh, have a terrific WordPress topic to present on, get in touch. I am at Sally Getch on Twitter in most places. You can find me if you can spell my name. That's great. And John, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? You can find me at my website, which is lockdownseo.com. <laughs> and I also have a YouTube channel. Just uh, search hashtag lockdownseo. You will find me. And Spencer, how can people find out more about you and what you're up to? I'll be working at Cambridge Analytica. <laughs> <laughs> They need a new oh my god, talk about the dark side. Oh my god, <laughs> oh or, or at wplaunchify.com or YouTube. YouTube uh, name is WP Launchify. That's great. And if you want to find out more about WP Tonic, look at past interviews. We've got fantastic posts, resources about if you're looking to become a, a e-learning entrepreneur in 2019, we've got tons of resources on the WP Tonic website. We'll see you next week where we're hopefully going to have another lively discussion and another great panel. We'll see you next week, folks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to WP Tonic, the podcast that gives you a spoonful of WordPress medicine twice a week.